1: What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get the podcast, We greatly appreciate it. Joining me right now is our Eagles Brawl Insider, covers the Eagles or Sports Illustrated, Ed Cross, as he usually joins us now. It's becoming a Saturday thing with us, Ed. Uh, We haven't talked in a week. Obviously, the loss to Washington happened. I really wanted to get your thoughts, like, what happened man? I mean the second half was co- just complete disaster. I I look at that game and I'm like Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz did not look like Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz at all. So what were your thoughts?
1: Well, I think I think it, there's three thoughts that I have. Number 1, obviously you mentioned Carson Wentz um, just a really terrible game. Uh very surprising. I mean they 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 did a great job racing out to the 17 nothing lead and then um, he makes kind of a what I thought was a bit of a lazy pass out into the flat there uh, right before the end of a half, about a minute and a half to go, and the Eagles are looking for points, and you can't blame him. I mean, that's been Peterson's M.O. since he's been here is to be aggressive, and um, that's what he was trying to do. But I just thought it was just a really bad pass. And, yeah, it was to a rookie. I think that one was to uh, Jalen Rager uh, at the end of the half there. Uh, you can say, well, the rookie needs to fight for it. But, look, he's a rookie. Carson Wentz is a five-year veteran. You have to make a better pass in that situation. And then uh, it was the same thing in the second half with him. What, again, I thought was just kind of a, uh, you know, a lazy throw, a bad throw to the inside part of the field instead of the outside part where it needs to be. And this was to another rookie. I think it was Hightower. Again, rookie, first game. You can't really put the blame too much on him you have to look at the five-year veteran quarterback so that's one thing the second thing you mentioned is Peterson and I just thought that the play uh the game plan I I really was kind of in disbelief that there even was one and the in-game adjustments I didn't see any um to take a 17 nothing lead and only run the ball 17 times to try to protect that lead uh to me was I think just a bad plan Uh, maybe they weren't having the success that they would like to have had in the running game. And yeah, Miles Sanders wasn't there, but you still have to make an effort to run the ball, especially when that pass rush was dialed up like it was for uh, the Washington football team. I mean, they were just making life miserable for Wentz. And uh, you have to find a way to alleviate some of that. One way is with the running game. Another way I thought was rollouts and we didn't see any rollouts after seeing quite a few of them during the 12 days of training camp that we were allowed to see. We, we did see Wentz roll out of the pocket, but we didn't see any of that. So, you know, those, those two things really jump out. Wentz's uh, erratic play, Peterson's uh, bad game plan. And then of course, the problems with blocking Washington, giving up eight sacks in a season opener is just bad on every single level. Uh, you could say, yeah, it's the offensive line, but you know the running backs, Boston Scott and Corey Clement, didn't really look like they showed any interest in picking up any kind of blitzes because that's where Washington was hurting them is up the middle. Uh, and these guys just either they didn't know what they were doing or they just kind of bailed out looking to get out in the flat and Carson could dump the ball off to them. I, I'm not sure what they were thinking, but uh, whatever they, they were thinking was wrong. And now you see the Eagles might be interested in Devontae Freeman. They're bringing him in next week for a a, a visit. Um, and I think that's kind of the direct result of the way Boston and Corey played in the opener. So a lot to take away there. But my first thing
2: I want to talk about that we've been doing the whole entire week that I've been bringing up numerous times is Carson Wentz has that game of season where i um, eliminate 2017 because he didn't really have that many bad games that season. But he usually has a game of season, Cincinnati versus rookie season, where he threw the ball 60 times, three interceptions. Doug didn't help him out at all, looked completely erratic. Going to 2018 against New Orleans, completely erratic. Doug doesn't help him out at all. They just let Carson be Carson and completely was t- t- destroyed that game. It's completely fell apart. That game last year against Seattle uh, in the regular season, I thought Carson wins was erratic. It's when he like everything goes structure. It falls apart. He falls apart. It seems like there's that game of season that you keep going back to where you see if st- if the structure falls apart, if Lane doesn't play, if Deshaun's not out there comfortably a month, if they don't, run the game plan through Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz out of structure looks like that. And it has been times at North Dakota State where he did as well. Is there some kind of – and I'm I'm just asking you because this is the theory that I'm starting to think. I know everybody brings up the Nick Foles and Doug Peterson and how they were. And everybody thought that they were a perfect fit. When I see – When I go back to that season, that 2017 season, and I see Nick Foles struggle the way he did to end the season, and I see Doug Peterson reel him in and really tailor his system to his success, I have not seen that balance with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz yet. I think Doug Peterson and Carson – The Philadelphia Eagles view Carson Wentz as a top-five quarterback, as you know. They think he is an elite quarterback, the type of quarterback that could change a game by himself. I don't blame them for thinking that. But there's been times – where things get erratic, things fall out of structure, and Carson Wentz gets erratic, excuse me, and he looks like that that he did this past Sunday, and I don't see the Eagles ever bailing him out. There's no – where is the slants? Where is the right. quick passes to neutralize the defensive line? Exactly. And then I, I saw you say something earlier this week because as much as I want to blame Carson Wentz, I blame Doug Peterson too just as much. I think they shouldered the same amount of blame because I don't think – Every time you look around the league, Sean Payton and Bill Belichick do this best with Joshua Daniels as well. When the quarterback struggles, even if it's an elite caliber quarterback, even if it's a Drew Brees, even if it's a Tom Brady, even if it's a Peyton Manning, they do things to neutralize what's going on around them to help that quarterback, even if they're that caliber quarterback. I've never seen that yet with Doug Peterson Carson Wentz, I feel like. I've ne- When things start falling out of structure, I don't see the coach doing his part to help the quarterback. Because, I again, you said this this week, but... I understand Deshaun Jackson's coming off a season-ending injury. I understand you're you're worried about him being hurt again. I completely get it. But he's not in your long-term plans, Ed. Deshaun Jackson, after this season, probably isn't going to be in Philadelphia. Maybe he even retires. If the player's not in your long-term plans, taking a long-term approach with him, to me, doesn't make sense. I would play Deshaun Jackson as much as you could possibly have him on the field. And if he gets injured, so be it. That's just Deshaun Jackson's career, to be honest with you. I think we all are. I think everybody in the fan base, I think everybody in that organization is expecting him to get hurt. You have John Hightower, who clearly they trust. They played him a lot. They targeted him four times in his first ever NFL game action. I am just going with Deshaun Jackson as much as I can. If they would have had the slants with him and Rager, that would have helped Carson a little bit. I thought that would have neutralized the defensive line a little bit, getting to Carson Wentz. Nothing that I saw, and you mentioned already, no runs, no rollouts. They did nothing to help out their quarterback. Does that worry you? Does that yeah. worry you that, Doug, that Doug, there's no balance there yet?
1: No, exactly. I mean, now listen. You hope that it's just a blip. You mentioned one time every year, and and you know I'd have to go back and check, but I would, I guess that's true. And you hope that this is the one time, uh, the year that this happens. It's worrisome because it's the first game, and you still have fifteen more games to make sure it doesn't happen. And you know, can they do that? But, um, you know, you're you're right about Deshaun. Uh, It depends on your viewpoint as far as short term, long term. Yeah, you don't take the long term approach with Deshaun. But the short term to me is the 16 game season. You don't want to have anything happen to him during the season because he has been part of the game planning since the spring when you began to put this team together. So uh, you want to get him at least through this season. And then, like you said, it's Probably his last year, it'll be 13 years he'll have played in the league. That's a very long time. Um, But you never know. He still is competitive. But uh, as far as the game plan, yeah, I mean, yeah, Wentz was erratic. But you have to start with the head coach. And I just think that, uh, you know, Doug's play call or game plan and play calling in-game adjustments just was non-existent. And that's a surprise. You know, they brought some of these names in from outside the organization, Rich Scandarella, uh, Andrew Breiner, they brought in Marty Morningweg again, and, and and there was nothing to show any sort of creativity or ingenuity. Jalen Rager is a rookie. Why not try to get the ball in his hands uh, on a short throw or a jet sweep? Uh, utilize his skill set. I mean, to me, uh, the plays that were being called, and the, and even Carson, when we had him on Zoom, I asked him about the rollouts, and he gave his list of reasons why he didn't think uh, they existed, and then at the end he said, but. I don't really fully know the answer to that. I mean, that to me indicates that the coach wasn't doing his job. And, you know, I don't want to rip on Doug. I like Doug an awful lot. Good person. Uh, But to me, this loss falls more at his feet uh, than anybody else's. I completely agree with you. I
2: I completely agree with you. I mean, I do blame Carson once a lot for a loss because yeah. again, the decision making just
1: wasn't there on his part either. Right? Uh, but
2: I I agree. With you.
1: He had to be smarter in the execution of the plays, and you know, to me, like I mentioned earlier, I just thought those two interceptions were just bad throws almost lazy throws just kind of threw them out there and wanted his rookie receivers to make a play on them but the rookies for goodness sake you got you're the veteran man make a play make a good pass make a throw where only those rookies can get it
2: it's rookies without preseason in the preseason maybe they see something like that and then they realize the corner's gonna make a jump on a ball and then it felt like that easily I'm gonna have to start I mean I all I'm with you I'm not killing the rookies on that one either but Speaking of Doug Peterson, I need to get this out there now. We need to discuss this because you wrote an article about it, too. Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network comes out and says, uh, talking to sources, they believe Doug Peterson has reached his limit as a head coach, and he's in over his head pretty much. I know you and I just took a couple minutes there bashing Jug, but it's obviously we're still big fans of his, and yeah. he's a great head coach. He just has his boneheaded moments sometimes. Yeah. Same with Andy Reid. We all know Andy Reid is a great head coach. But, again, this guy couldn't figure out time of possession to save his life or how to right. clock management until, like, the end of his career. Uh, Good point. That that report's ludicrous. Am I right? A guy won a Super Bowl with his back quarterback against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They're in the playoffs every, every year since his rookie year as a head coach. This is ridiculous. The fact that we're talking about this after a week one loss, again, this is, like, to me this is the whole Jim Schwartz is out here to take uh, Doug Pearson's head coaching job all over again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, you're right. Well, that that's you know part of sports in Philadelphia, a very cynical city. Uh, you know, what have you done for me lately type of crowd. But you're right, Doug's done, you know, he's won over 40 games, 42 games in the four years he's been here. Uh, won a Super Bowl, obviously huge, never be forgotten for that. There's a statue outside the uh, Lincoln Financial Field with him and Nick Foles. Um, been to the playoffs three straight years. He's won two NFC East titles. I mean, this guy has done an awful lot for the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And that report, to me, um, it could have been based on how Doug looked on Wednesday. When we had him on the Zoom call Wednesday, I don't know if you saw it on the site or my site. I put up some video. Um, he just looked beleaguered. He looked tired. It almost looked like he slept in his office that night, didn't go home slept on the couch or in a chair, if he slept at all, he just looked really beat and really tired. Um, and what exactly does reaching his limit mean and being stressed out? Look, I reach my limit every day and I get stressed out too. Uh, you know, you know it means? I'm going to, you know, ride off into the sunset, but that's the way it made it sound. Was it, it not so much that he was going to get fired by Lori or Roseman? It almost sounded like he was going to resign. I mean, because he was so stressed out according to these sources and, so have, having reached his limit per these sources. Um, but I just, I don't see that happening. I mean, I just, you know, uh, he's going to go through this season, but I will say if it comes off the rails uh, and we see more of these types of games that we saw on Sunday without any kind of ingenuity in the game plan and, uh, you know, you're sitting here at two and five halfway through October or at the end of October, then um, then we'll revisit this and we'll see. But, uh, right now, Peterson deserves every single benefit of the doubt based on his track record here in Philadelphia, um, and we'll see where it goes from here. I just think the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams would be the one, one of the
2: top teams to take the to really show the disadvantage of having no preseason because it just seems like they always take their time to really get in situated. I mean, they jumped out to that seventeen to nothing lead early with Washington. They, cruised, they went on cruise control for the rest of the game. Yeah, That's my issue with this team. It's like it's never a whole four quarters with them, yeah. at least at the start of the season so far. Outside of Doug's rookie year in 2016, it's been nothing but snooze fest. Uh, They'll jump out to a score real quick for a comfortable lead where they find it comfortable, and then they just go on cruise control. Or their last year versus Washington, they let Washington dominate the entire first half and had to come back in the second half. So it, the, any team – Shows the benefit. I mean, the disadvantages of not having a preseason right away. It's obviously going to be them. I just, I think that loss to Washington, the questions. I also think this Zach Ertz stuff is playing onto the field too. I think this is messing with Doug as well because you have. I th- this is so off topic right now, but you have this delicate situation. I feel like right now with Zach Ertz, uh, he's your offense. I mean. The team has game plan through him since Doug's been there that was whole that was one of the first things that was talked about hiring Doug is how he's going to elevate Zach Ertz's game to what the chiefs are doing with Travis Kelsey That was the first thing we heard when they hired Doug Peterson Now you're getting to a point where the organization because I'm not sure I know, I know you cover this whole entire story with the confrontation with Howie and Zach and what's led up to it at this point yep but there's it's an elephant in the room. It clearly is an elephant in the room. I feel like this is Zach. I mean, I know you and I talked about it numerous times. Uh, From everything that I've heard, now talking to people close to him, this is it for Zach Ertz in Philadelphia after this year. It sounds like. With that being said, you saw the game on Sunday. I do want to say he was double covered a lot. He did see in twelve personnel. He he did draw the corner and the safety, but it still seemed to me. I don't know if it seemed this way to you. Like Doug had a game plan, his game through Dallas Goddard. It looked like they schemed the game through Dallas Goddard. Cause that was usually once his first read. And then of that Peterson comes down and says on Earth's touchdown, that wasn't even for him. Right. Like that, what, I mean, I don't even know if that needs to be said Ed. to be honest with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know if that needs to be said to the media. So your star tight end can hear your coach, you and say, after all that's going on, maybe Doug stressed about that. Maybe there's some kind of, Underline that disconnect between the front office and the head coach. Whereas the front office is asking you, let's start using this guy more because this guy is about to be in the past. Whereas Doug's like, well, my whole entire scheme went through that guy that you're saying is about to be in the past. So now I got to switch it up real quick. When well, We didn't even have a preseason in a half-ass training camp.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That's it. So, so the conspiracy theory of the front office is what you're saying is what led to Goddard, Having nine targets, eight catches. I mean, Ertz did get seven targets, but he only caught he think, three of those. Uh, it looked Ertz different, game. though. It, it looked like there was a
2: changing of the guard a little bit, though, is what from where I noticed it looked like they wanted to go to Dallas more. It looked like Dallas was Carson's first read on some of these plays. And then I think about it even more the risk and hire, we didn't see it on the rollouts. We saw it from the Goddard Kittle side more, I thought. Hmm. I mm-hmm. thought we saw Dallas Goddard be used more like George Kittle is used in San Francisco on Sunday. That's the biggest takeaway I took from it. I was like, wow, they're using Dallas Goddard the same way San Francisco uses George Kittle. Maybe that's the Rich Ganderello effect that's showing right away.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, Carson will tell you that it's because that's the way uh, the mismatch went was with Dallas Goddard. You know, he said, look, when we have 12 personnel on the field, two tight ends, those guys present mismatches. Somebody's going to be open, whether it's a receiver or a running back or one of those tight ends. And it just so happened that it was Goddard that was open. But he said, you know, Zach will get his, uh, you know, his targets and his catches as the season goes on. Um, But you're right about that whole Doug Peterson message with Ortega Whiteside was the target on that first touchdown. And um, maybe he points that out because Ortega Whiteside didn't do anything except block you know and who was the last receiver we saw come through here that all he did was block and then he got cut that was Matt Collins um you know you hope that that's not the way Ortega Whiteside's career is going i don't think it is um but Doug just wanted to make it clear that hey you know we did have a target in there for Ortega Whiteside this isn't Matt Collins and then Aaron Moorhead came on Friday the receivers coach and said, I had to reassure him that he's still in our plans. He's still a part of this offense and that his targets will come. So, you know, to me, you're dealing with maybe a fragile ego or a fragile uh, psyche with Ortega Whiteside. And they just want to kind of keep pumping him up publicly uh, to make him feel part of things because they don't want him to go down the rabbit hole again and get into his head and um, become a non-factor and become Mac Collins. Um, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. I like that. So maybe that's why Doug does that—is just to keep Ortega Whiteside publicly, uh, you know, happy, uh, confident. I don't know, but um, you know, we'll we'll see about this changing of the guard. That's a really interesting perspective with Goddard and Ertz. It did feel that way. In fact, when Goddard caught that touchdown, I just kind of assumed it was Ertz, and then I looked down again, and you know, I'm sitting in the press box, and it happened right in the end zone that where we sit. Uh, in the Washington press box. And I, I'm like, wow, wow, that's, that's Goddard. That's kind of a surprise that, you know, usually that's Zach Ertz, um, you know, breaking free on a, on a longer touchdown pass or uh, even in the red yeah. zone. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And maybe you're right. Maybe that's one thing that's impacting Doug because he said he likes for players to get paid He likes when that happens. You know, he's a former player. He wants them to get all they can while they're playing this game. So, clearly, he's in Ertz's corner on this. Um, If the front office said to him, we want to get Goddard involved, I'm not sure he would just coalesce and do that. Um, Right now, I'm going to take Carson's word for it that that was the mismatch that was on the field, and that's why they went to Dallas more than they went to Zach.
2: And that's a fair point because the Reds, I mean, excuse me, Washington's weakest unit was their linebacking corps. So, if if you see a linebacker on Goddard – and it's Washington's linebackers. I take advantage of it too. I just, it's a little bit of an overreaction, I guess, on my part, because of this whole Harry Roseman Zackers dust up, which I heard wasn't even that serious. As well. the media overhyped him more than anything, or rap sheet, I should say, Ian Rappaport overhyped him more than anything. Uh, yeah. But I mean, to, uh, to me, this is becoming the next – I mean, we talk about the Zachert situation so much. It's becoming – making my head spin, so I'm going to last point on this. But this – it sounds like it's becoming the Malcolm Jenkins situation all over again. The guy wants to get paid. The team's not willing to pay. They want to go with the younger guys, the cheaper options. They part in the offseason, even with years left on his contract. It, that just sounds like it's going that way now. I, I was confident before that they would get the deal done. I thought – they wanted to re- remain 12 personnel, stick with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard off into the sunset. But the more time passes, the more
1: uh, I hear things. Sounds like this is it for Zach Ertz in Philadelphia this year. Yeah. Again, I said, I think I said last week, I think the Eagles are going to still make every effort that they can possibly make to re-sign Zach. I mean, I just don't think you'll let a Hall of Famer walk out the door without at least not trying. Um And the Jenkins situation, Jenkins was, I think, two or three years older than Zach. Um, Played a lot of football. Of course, Zach has, too. Um, And then you have Dallard. And I did say on the show last week, too, I think they want to get into this more of a three receivers on the field situation and just kind of back off on the 12 personnel a little bit and kind of come at you with speed from all quarters uh, with your receivers. So um, it very well could be so. Why not talk about it as much as we can? Because we, you know, we may not be talking about this much next year if he is uh, in another city. Um, it does boggle the mind to think what you might be able to get for him in a trade should you go that route. Um, but we're not there yet. The Eagles are going to try to get him signed, Uh, but I think they have a number in mind, and I'm not sure how far beyond they're going to go with that number, right? And I
2: They're not going to trade him in season. There's no way they trade Zach Ertz in season. Everybody on Twitter that and Facebook that's saying trade Zach Ertz right now. Okay, well you can't it's not going to happen. Right. They're not they're not that's too much of a switch up for them to do in season to completely take their whole entire offensive game plan, crumble it up and throw it in the trash and start something new in the middle of a season. That's it's not going to happen. But next right. off season I think it's Something to be more looked at, but even moving on. Yeah, or right, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, even
1: if they're sitting at three and five or whatever at the trade deadline,
2: yeah, uh, after happen. what
1: they did last year, they won four in a row to get in the playoffs. They're I don't think they're just going to mail in the season and get rid of him in season.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely not. There's no way it happens. But Miles Sanders, Lane Johnson, Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave looks like they're all going to return from their injuries. That has, I mean, all those guys are are starters. So that's a huge impact that they're going to bring back to the team. Let's get into that, Ed. I mean, we'll talk Miles. We already know the impact that Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson bring. But, again, this team is 6-12 and without Lane Johnson playing on the field. His impact is going to be great. I look at that front seven of L.A., and, yes, we're all scared of Aaron Donald. But outside of that, Michael Brockers is a good player. He's better against the run than he is rushing the passer. Same with Leonard Floyd. He's a very good run defender, not a good pass rusher. If they if they scheme around, because you can't scheme around Washington's D line, they have literally eight good players on their defensive line. Yeah. I look at Los Angeles and they have two good players on their defensive line. I think the Eagles could I don't I don't think it's going to look the same way it did last week.
1: Well, I think Lane's uh reemergence in the lineup will help not only the whole offensive line, but maybe Nate. Herbig in particular who's going to make his second start at right guard and you know he made his first start last week playing next to a rookie uh who obviously was making his first start um and that couldn't have been a very comfortable feeling I think Nate will feel a lot more comfortable when you have the uh you know the pro bowler uh riding shotgun with you on the ad offensive line I think that'll make him feel more comfortable maybe make him help him play better um Certainly he has to play better because you have Jamon Brown waiting in the wings after the Eagles signed him to step in at right guard, a veteran uh, presence. So I think Johnson's return will help her big op- – excuse me, obviously Sanders' return is going to help in a lot of ways as well. We mentioned the uh, the pass pro from the running backs, really non-existent last week. Miles Sanders is a pretty good run blocker for his second year in the league, kind of learned that tr- trade at Penn State talked about it when we had him uh, on the Zoom call Friday so he's going to help but you mentioned Javon Hargrave i mean this is exciting to to mm-hmm. see what 26 million dollars bought this team in the offseason because that's how much money they guaranteed him as part of his 3 year 39 million dollar deal he signed coming over from the Steelers so now we're going to get to see uh, how well the Eagles spent this 26 million and Hargrave is he's a shorter guy but man he's powerful he's quick uh, and him and Fletcher Cox uh, next to each other with Malik Jackson, who, who played pretty well last week too, uh, coming in. I mean, that that's going to be a real concern for a Rams offensive line that uh, is, is played well against the Cowboys, but is pretty nondescript. Uh, they have a 38 year old tackle also like the Eagles doing Peters with uh, Andrew Whitworth. Um, uh, so, I think they're healthy. They're 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 healthy. Uh, Derek Barnett will probably come back, although we saw a nice game from Josh Sweat last week. Um, but yeah, they're they're fully healthy, all except Alshon Jeffrey, who was listed as out. Um, Barnett was still listed as questionable, but I think he's going to play. Brandon Graham has to get through the weekend, symptom free from concussions, and he'll he'll be able to play. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to get four starters back after they were clearly missed in the opener. The
2: situation at right guard is a little funny. I mean, I thought Nate Herbig played pretty well, given the circumstances. And same with Jack Driscoll. I was incredibly impressed with Jack Driscoll. But, I mean, Matt Pryor end, ended your season starting at right guard. You have an opportunity to put him back there and have your same offensive line unit that you did to end the season last year. What did Matt Pryor do in practice that was that really threw the Eagles off versus just Nate Herbig was that good?
1: Well, uh, did you see the scrimmage on August 30th at the link? I mean, he was just, and he played tackle, but boy, he he was not good at all.
2: Um, He played left tackle.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that could have been it. But uh, right now he's kind of the forgotten guy, you know, Nate Herbig went past him. They decided to go with Herbig. I'm not sure why. We're not really allowed to watch practices now to see what Pryor is or isn't doing, but Uh, Right now it's clear it's Herbig's job, and like I said, Doug said he has to go out there and keep it, Um, and we'll see if he can do that. If not, I think the next man up isn't Matt Pryor, I think it's going to be Jamon Brown who's going to step into that spot. So uh, I don't know what Matt Pryor did, but what he did wasn't good (laughs) because he can't get back into, into that lineup. I mean,
2: after that game they go out, they bring in a right guard. They're working out Devontae Freeman next week. Clearly something that game did wake them up a little bit. They saw the the glaring issues on their roster without a couple key guys and they went out and addressed those positions. So it's mm-hmm. interesting. I, I agree with you. I think if Nate Herbert probably has a two to three week leash until Jermon Brown gets inserted if he doesn't step up. But I, I I did think though, if I want to look at the offensive line and talk about Washington, the right side was way better than the left. Yeah. I thought the left side, I think Jason Peters, which uh, you don't practice the whole entire le- season. Uh, I mean, summer left tackle. But again, you're you're 16 year veteran that's played their position for a while now. You should you should yeah. have looked that rusty. And then Isaac Samalo just looked lost.
1: Yeah, I, I was surprised about Samalo the most. I know, he, and he you know again you talk about that one clunker game plan or performance that Carson and Doug have together. I mean, Isaac's good for you know one or two of those that's uh true. year as well. And you hope that this was the one and you know, to me, that offensive line was never settled at all throughout training camp. I mean, they were running guys in and out all training camp long. You didn't know who the line was. Nate Herbig didn't learn he was going to start until just days before the game. Jack Driscoll didn't know until 90 minutes before kickoff when they scratched lane. So, you know, to me, the line is about cohesion and confidence and communication. And uh, that was just disrupted uh, from the inside out, I think and. Isaac got caught up in that. Jason Peters, you better hope that, you know, he shows better as this season goes on at 38 years old, because to me, he was he was a real problem. Um, the Eagles would have had three interceptions. Wentz would have had three interceptions, except uh, Matt Ionitis jumped off sides because Chase Young went right around Jason Peters and hit Wentz as he was throwing the ball, and the ball just went up in the air, and Washington intercepted it. I mean, Peters has to play better. Uh, there's no question, because they have nobody else to put out there. Um, we already talked about Matt Pryor. He, he didn't get it done at left tackle. I mean, who you can run out there? Jack Driscoll? I mean, he played well at right tackle, but now you're going to move him to left tackle, and he can do it. He's played there at Auburn, but still, that's a big ask from a rookie. But if Peters doesn't get this thing figured out, uh, there's not a lot of solutions on the roster.
2: Not even if he doesn't get it figured out. He's going to miss snaps. It's only a matter of when, not if. Yeah. So I would assume Jack Driscoll is your pick if you're looking at the current roster. What's up with Cordy Glenn though? I would still bring him in. Do you think Cordy Glenn's like, "Nah, the job's taken, I'm not going to go in there?"
1: Yeah, I don't I'm not really sure what happened to Cordy. I think he's kind of maybe on speed dial. Nobody's picked him up. They've had a look at him. Uh he's been through the COVID testing, but I'm assuming that he's going to have to go through it again should they bring him in, but um he could be an option should they go that way. I mean, they know what he's got left. Maybe they didn't like what he had left. Um, and that's why he's not here. Uh, but again, you're right, Peters, if he goes out, is it Jordan Melotta, uh, who did play last week, eighteen snaps. Didn't look that bad to me. I mean, I saw the snaps and he is he a big naughty.
2: He, he didn't, but eighteen snaps is is that, still a little no. yeah. Uh but, I mean, that's the options right now. It's Jack Driscoll, Jordan Mulata, and I, I I mean, they might go with Malata just because of the size of left tackle. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And then only that, if Nate Herberg doesn't work out and Jamon Brown – doesn't look good enough in practice to to give him the right guard spot I would assume maybe Driscoll goes there that's the weirdest thing that's we're talking thing. about so many issues on this offensive yeah. line you're right I mean you came on the show probably what two three weeks ago and that was the first thing you said is the offensive line worries me going into the season and yeah week one already happens and now we're
1: all panicking about it right and we still don't have answers like what what if this happens what if that happens then what I mean we still don't know I mean that's the that's what we're talking about here at O-Line, and we've been spoiled these last few years with an offensive line that, yeah, it got nicked up here and there, but they had the depth with Halapula Vitai, who Jason Kelsey called maybe the most underrated uh, player that the team had these last couple years, uh, it, but it's an issue, and if they don't get the issue straight, you're going to have this, this these communication errors up front. You're going to have these uh, the, you know, these guys aren't going to be on the same page, and it's going to have a factor, and it's going to wear on Carson Wentz and that run game. They have to get the run game going. They have to get these guys to run block. You know, maybe that gets them started. Offensive linemen all like to run block. So come out Sunday and run the ball against the Rams.
2: Absolutely. Run the ball down the Rams' throats. I yep. do that immediately. Um, Josh Sweat, though, like you said, incredibly impressive. Yep. Uh, we've been talking about him all offseason long, it seems like. I'm at the point where I feel like Josh Sweat looked that expl I mean again, his left tackle competition wasn't that great either. But I feel like his explosion was so evident on Sunday, and he even said it himself. He thinks he got away from the FSU read and react stuff and now he's just all boom, boom, boom off the line. Yeah. Do you think Josh Sweat, there's a chance Josh Sweat could jeopardize Derek Barnett's starting job?
1: And you know, he had that knee issue too. You know, he had a couple knee issues. He, he had did. one in high school, he had one at FSU. And he was
2: very frail at FSU coming out. He was yeah. very, he needed to put on he did, he put on a ton of muscle since yeah. he's been with the Eagles.
1: He looked completely when we saw him on Zoom for the first time. We hadn't talked to him since, you know, last year. Uh he looked completely different. I mean, he looked filled out, he looked he talked more confidently. Uh he looked like a different guy to me. And yeah, I I don't know if he'll take Barnett's spot. I mean, Barnett's still the guy, but, you know, Jim loves to rotate guys in and out of there. Um, I could see maybe a 50-50 type of split with those snaps if you want to say that, yeah, that's, you know, he's overtaking Barnett. But I don't see Barnett's role slipping to, you know, 20 snaps so Josh can play 55. I mean, I I still think it'll be a little bit more even uh, in terms of the number of snaps, a little more balanced. At least that's what I would think, especially early when it's still warm outside. Mm mm-hmm. uh, And that's I'm, I'm
2: glad you made. I'm glad that's what you said, because that's what I was saying this week on the pod is that I don't think he would take his RA job, but right. I think that there's a chance that it would be a timeshare between that's what and Barnett. And if it is a timeshare, though, yeah. and Barnett looks extremely more impressive in this pass rusher department. And I mean, if you puts more sacks looks better as a pass rusher, I think at that point, then you go into the offseason, then you think maybe we save that 10 million dollars because we have a player here in Josh Sweat that we might want to increase playing time for. Sorry, Derek, or sorry, Brandon, because Josh looks good. I want to see if he continues this again, because like we said, the left tackle for Washington was making his first career start ever as well. But I want to see what Josh Sweat could do, because that explosion was there. I mean, it's been there for a little bit. That burst has been there, but I feel like it's finally refined now, because he had some great, great pass rushing techniques uh, this past Sunday in Washington.
1: Yeah. And we're just going to see more of it. I mean, he's very quick and, and he is learning a little bit more technique and pass rush moves and that's going to help him. But that speed, I think, you know, pro football focus had him at like 2.6 seconds to the quarterback yep. Um, on that sack strip sack that he had of Haskins. So um, that's exciting. Yeah. No question about it. Um, But, you know, I think the Eagles kind of, you know, Vinnie Curry's not with them anymore. He's on IR. So there are some snaps, but I, you know the Eagles to me. I mean, they need help at defensive end going forward. I mean, there's no doubt. And you look at some of these teams that are winning, like the like the Reds, like Washington. They, you know, they invest a lot of draft capital up front. Now you look at Montez Sweat and and um, Chase Young over there. I mean, the Eagles have to look at this and say, you know, we need to upgrade our pass rushing here and and find a way to do that. You know, in next off season and in the draft next season. But right now, yes, yeah, Sweat is exciting. Looks like he could be a foundation piece. Uh, on that line going forward.
2: I agree with you. I think that's a first-round target perhaps between that and wide receiver and O-line. I think they're going to have to target those three positions in the first round because I agree with you defensive end, though. They they have to make a decision on Brandon Graham Derek Barnett this offseason yeah. regardless if they want to or not. I mean, these are one of the tough decisions that we're talking about, and those two guys are some of the names to bring up. So yep. I agree with you that this has to be addressed. Uh, they have to keep feeding the pipeline at defensive end because – the fourth-round picks that they're putting out there right now, besides Josh Sweater, are not working. The Jordan Avery's not working out. The Shreve nope. Miller's already cut and gone.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, right, so you got to go have early. To a little you, have higher. To, yep. you have to hit that spot earlier in the draft, there's no doubt. And if you look around the league, that's what teams are doing. You look at how, like I said, Washington, and there are other teams too that have invested. The 49ers, who the Eagles go there in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, they've got to get better there. And Graham's 33, or he'll be 33. Um, he didn't really, you know, I mean, he didn't have the best game. I mean, but the defense I thought played well overall. I mean, they didn't give up any long touchdown drives against Washington. So, um, you know, Graham played. I think a, they, yeah. I thought they played well. It's a, I thought the defensive line kind of mailed it in, in the second half though. Yeah. A little bit. Um,
2: that's what we, I thought. I thought, I mean, you have a quarterback like Haskins who's so turnover prone and was like not accurate at all that game.
1: Yeah pressure him
2: make him throw more picks i thought they didn't get enough pressure on him in the second half
1: no but again cox
2: got i mean doubled and triple teamed at some point the brandon Sharif is no slouch that guy is probably the best guard that one of the best guards in the nfl yep. uh but i mean i i thought this the defensive line outside of josh sweat really mailed it in the second half
1: yeah they they uh they, they have to create turnovers something that we've talked about before uh, they have a hard time doing, but now already they're minus three in the turnover differential, and that's not very good. Uh, that's a real, you know, you want to be on the plus side of that category, but they didn't get any turnovers. They didn't stop them in the red zone. They were they gave up three touchdowns on four trips inside the red zone. That's uncharacteristic for that defense too. So those two uh, stats right there tell me that they need to get better and they need to start Sunday against the Rams.
2: Especially against that offensive line. The defensive line's got a feast on their offensive line. Like you said, I mean, Whitworth is a great left tackle, but the rest of that line is very, very, very shaky. Yeah. So, what I mean, obviously, defensive line, uh, Eagles' defensive line versus Rams' offensive line is probably one of the matchups you're looking forward to. Is there any other matchups
1: you really got your eye on? Well, I think Nikel Roby Coleman came coming over from three years with LA, matching up probably with Cooper Cup in the slot. Um, that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Um, Slay matched up. Probably against Robert Woods. That'll be another interesting matchup. Slay had a really nice game against McLaurin last week. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, the Rams lost Corey Littleton. They're a really good linebacker. So, you know, there should be some stuff over the middle um, for the tight ends and maybe even for Miles Sanders on wheel routes, some swing passes. Uh, to put some pressure on, on that linebacking course. so th- those are some of the matchups that, that I would like to see Sunday. That I'm looking forward to seeing Sunday, and then of course Aaron Donald. I mean, you know that guy; he's from another planet, really. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. amazing. So whoever he goes against, I'll have my binoculars trained on, you know, on that matchup occasionally.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm expecting another Dallas Goddard game. To be honest with you, Ed, I think he has another, and that, for the same exact reason that you said, they lost Corey Littleton. Their inside linebackers are completely depleted. Their outside linebackers are supposed to be their edge rushers who aren't really even good edge rushers to, at that. Uh I I think it's another Dallas Gower game, because I think you're gonna see a lot of safety play on Zach Ertz. They have the Rams have some John Johnson's a good safety, uh, Taylor Rupp is a good safety. I think you're gonna see a safety in corner probably maybe even Jalen Ramsey on Zach Ertz. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna game plan against Zach Ertz the way Washington did. Because if you do take Zach Ertz out of the Eagles' offense, Carson Wentz kind of doesn't look the same. Yeah, I think they, I think they're going to go off the same thing. So, I, but I do think the Eagles win. I do think they, they handle business this week. I just think it's going to be another Dallas Goddard game. To be honest with you, I think he might do another hundred yards.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, look, I think the Eagles fell in love with the long pass too against Washington. They took they a did, lot yeah. of deep shots. They tried to show off, you know, some of that speed they added in the off season. But this is a game to me, like you mentioned, the linebackers and you got to play the short game, I think, to open up the long game. And they have to start with the run game, short throws, tight end throws, um, to loosen up maybe the the speed stuff outside with Rager and Jackson uh, hitting home runs maybe later in the game. But I think the Eagles win, too. I, I have it about 27-23 Philadelphia. Um, okay. it, it used to be some home field advantage, but there's not going to be any fans, and that's a shame because – uh, you know, that would really help <laughs> help this Eagles team. But they're going to have to fire themselves up and uh, play without the fans. I have a winning 16-10 because I I I just don't know
2: about this offense yet. And I don't mm. think the Rams offense is going to get a lot of stuff done if the Eagles defensive line plays up to task. Uh, just because the corners looked so good last week. That's the one thing I could take away from this game was Avante yeah. Maddox looked like he belonged for sure. I'm um, again again this is against Dwayne Haskins who looks r- not that great. But if you pressure Jared Goff, he could look like that as well. So yeah. Vontae Maddox, I thought, looked incredibly well. I'm interested to see if I'm sure they're gonna try to put Van Jefferson on him a lot, which who's a really good route runner. So I think it's gonna be an interesting matchup because him and Josh Reynolds are both have the height as well. So interested to see how Vonte holds up. But Slay played the part, as you said, and then Nicole Ruby Coleman played the part as well. And Rodney McLeod, I thought, played the Malcolm. Like, that was – a wherever we were used to the Eagles defense, we were used to seeing Malcolm Jenkins all over the field. That past Sunday, I saw that with Rodney McLeod. He was yeah. everywhere. Yeah, he was. So, too. I'm interested to see. I think the Eagles secondary, for once, finally matches up well with an arsenal like the Rams have.
1: Yeah, and it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You got to get pressure on Goff. You have to make him get rid of the ball mm-hmm. a split second earlier than he would like, to to help that secondary. So – the um, Eagles just can't make any mistakes on offense. That's what they did in Washington. That was the only way Washington could win that game was by giving them short fields, by beating yourself in the turnover game. And that's exactly what happened. Two short throws on those inter- – drives that were set up on those interceptions, one from 45 yards, the other from 20 yards. I mean, you can't do that against anybody, especially against the Rams. Especially
2: not. But I'm with you. I think the Eagles – I just want to say what Doug, I, I, Doug Peterson – this is the week. The media is crushing you. The fans are crushing you. There's articles about there that's questioning your job status with the Eagles right now, which mm-hmm. is ludicrous. But this is the game to come in here, beat Sean McVay, the pretty boy that everybody, the NFL media loves. Go 3-0 against Sean McVay. Convince you wins win against the Rams. I think it happens. I think though Peterson comes out there, there's a better game plan. I'm hoping there's for more Wentz rollouts just because Aaron Nall going to destroy the interior yeah. or at least cause some havoc, at least in the interior, to the point where you're going to have to roll out Carson a little bit more. And again, like I said, I'm not worried about Leonard Floyd. He's great against the run, not a good pass rusher. I'm not worried about the Rams' pass rushing, per se. So I think this is the game where you roll out Carson Wentz and then you take advantage of the middle of the field. You attack the middle of the field because their linebacking quarter is very weak. So I'm with you. Those everything that you talked about so far, I'm on the same page. But... I'm glad uh, you think the Eagles win as well. Um, Sounds like we're a little bit more confident than we were probably minutes after that game finished on Sunday.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as the week goes on, you tend to see a little more clearly, I guess. and um, You start to look at the matchups a little bit, and there are things that favor the Eagles. There are things that favor the Rams, too, but the equalizer, again, turnovers. Eliminate the turnovers, maybe get one or two from the Rams, shorten the field for the offense, and then you probably win the game.
2: Are you going to go to the game tomorrow? They let yeah. media in.
1: Yep. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All
2: right. So if they lose, I I can't wait to turn on the press conference and hear you grill Ed. I mean, excuse me, grill you
1: grill Doug real quick. <laughs> well, I got to get called <laughs> on for a question. That's the thing in the Zoom. You got to raise your hand, and then you have to hope to get called on. You're not just you have on. been getting called on though. I hear you. I hear you speak frequently
2: in these things. It sounds like. Yeah,
1: I I always raise my hand. I don't always get called on. I always have my hand up. But uh, I feel <laughs>
2: like all these guys are going like. Uh, Jeff McQuay's probably going to make a weird spin of what I say. Jimmy <laughs> Kempsey's going to make Jimmy Kempsey's going to make a, a, a little stick figure guy of me. Yeah, Ed, let's go with your question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the rationale is for calling on different guys, but they're you know they don't have time to get to everybody. Obviously, they try to I think do as best job as they can of balancing it out. The Eagles PR people, so uh, you know all you can do is raise your hand and keep your fingers crossed that you get called on.
2: Wow, it's the world we're living in right now. That's yeah. really interesting. But all right, Ed, thanks for hopping on again. Follow Sports Illustrated Eagles page for all the updates. And John McMullen and Ed are obviously killing it over there. So give those guys a follow and read their articles. They'll they'll have some more leading up to the game. And I saw you're doing more fantasy stuff too with Sports Illustrated.
1: Yeah. They're big into the, uh, the fantasy stuff. So I'm trying to, I don't have a fantasy team. I used to play years ago, but I don't do it anymore. Uh, it's just too much. I mean, I, you know, when my day is done, I try to be done with football and I try to unwind by doing something else. So, uh, just adding another layer with fantasy football to me would probably put me in an early grave, just too stressed out. Like Doug is, yeah. I've reached my limit, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> so I, I stay away, but I, I do like to talk about it. And, uh, you know, I think I know a little bit about it. So um, do yeah, you've I-
2: been doing some great coverage for fantasy over there. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to start implementing some Eagles fantasy picks for you in the show.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm game. Whatever All right. Making,
2: uh, I know you've been a great help for us in helping Eagles Brawl grow, grow, Ed. I greatly appreciate it. So thanks, you guys, for tuning in. We'll be back next week probably now. We're making these our reoccurring Saturdays up to the game. Uh We'll talk to you guys
0: then.